Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners and services providers from around the globe about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Today, we have Andrew Hong, co-founder of Toby Agency, and he joins the show to share his team's video podcasting strategy and service offering for clients. We discuss the role video podcasts can play in a larger pillar content strategy, where and how you can build and repurpose podcast content, some tool recommendations for production and distribution, and the unique and emerging use cases for podcasting that he's most excited about. Agency Unfiltered begins right now. Andrew, hello. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are you doing? Good, Kevin. Good to see you. Yes, uh, always great to connect. Um, just to catch some listeners up, you were before we just hit record here. You were uh, really letting me have it about the weather that LA has versus Boston. <laughs> but uh, uh, how's everything on your side of the the country? It's good. I, I was saying that we're uh, we went from like fifty to seventy five, and I know uh, in Boston fifty is pretty balmy. So um, so yeah, it's been. Uh, uh, it's been good to, to kind of get out of the deep winter and, um, you know, it's been a good start to the year uh, for, for our agency and uh, looking forward to a lot of new opportunities, new growth stuff and podcasting stuff, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about today, right? Yes. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Very exciting to hear. Obviously, podcast, perfect segue. Now, again, for context, if it gets up to 50 degrees in this part in New England, I mean, I'm putting shorts on and, you know, I'm taking the dog to the beach, you know. Um <laughs> But I guess it's all context. But let's get into podcasting. Um, the best place to start, um, talk to me about how you and your team think about podcasting, like specifically as a component for a larger content strategy. Where and how does it plug in? Is it for everyone? Um, and then, you know, maybe that's a, a good launching off point. I'm sure there's some follow up questions to be had from there. Yeah, so you know we're a we're a HubSpot agency, right? We've been with the HubSpot um, agency partner program for uh, actually coming up five years now in oh, March. Wow. Um, so Congrats. we, you know, we've yeah, thank you. It's been a it's been quite quite the ride. Um, but you know, we as an inbound agency, like you know many other HubSpot agencies that are out there, you know, we we focus a lot on the inbound funnel, right? And it's all about creating content for awareness, for consideration, and for decision. And, you know, ultimately, you know, if you've been executing a content strategy where you're blogging, you're doing lead magnets, you're trying to attract traffic to you with written content, you know, I think a lot of us now realize that, hey, look, that written content can also be reflected in audio or video content through video podcasting. And so now that you have platforms like YouTube and, you know, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, 
you know, what didn't exist before was that you couldn't index this kind of like multimedia, like rich media type of content, right? But now effectively YouTube acts as a search engine. And for those who don't know, YouTube is actually the second largest search engine in the world behind Google. And if you start to notice now in Google search, it's now indexing and populating videos from Google on the front page of search to the organic search results, right? So obviously YouTube, or excuse me, Google's acquisition of YouTube, you know, way back when there was a big picture strategy, we knew it had something to do with keywords, right? Because that was central to their, their business model. And so now as we're here in, you know, 2022, are we looking at how, basically, how are we looking at like adjusting our content strategy? Now, blogging, all the typical stuff that we do to get, you know, that sort of awareness, consideration type of content at the top and middle of funnel is not going away. But now I'm saying it's like, hey, if you've sort of hit a wall in your content strategy, there's a whole new channel that you need to start exploring, which is really video podcasting. And we love video podcasting because effectively it becomes a, a single video podcast becomes a piece of pillar content for you, right? So what hap what we basically do is we'll produce like a 30 minute, 35 minute video podcast. After the the podcast is done, we'll upload the full audio to Spotify, to Apple, to Google Play. Um, we'll upload the full video and usually it's virtually produced just like we're doing right now, yeah. right? Um, in fact, before COVID, we were having people come into the studio and recording and doing all that. After COVID, nobody wanted to do that, right? And so now we're doing, everyone's used to seeing this style like video podcasting, right? So then we take that full length video, we put it up on YouTube. And then what we do is we take, uh, we have our editor cut out like five to seven micro clips from that video content. And effectively what that allows us to do is it gives us more content that we can use for social media, for email marketing, Heck, I've even seen like some of the B2B companies we work with, some of their SDRs will actually take clips uh, from the podcast because they're not going to send a full podcast to a prospect. And then they'll put that clip in front of, uh, in front of in like a sales sequence or something like that, just to engage that, that prospect, right? Hey, it's been, a, it's, a, it's been a month since we caught up, but I just wanted, I thought about you when our CEO did this podcast and here's a little clip from it that you might want to listen to, That's right? Yeah. Some of our clients have uploaded it to like Vidyard and use that for like lead scoring and things like that. So there's a lot of really cool things that you can do with video content that you weren't necessarily able to do, you know, five, 10 years ago. And that's why we think video podcasting is actually a, a great channel to be able to do that. There's yeah. uh, two, two things I think I want to pull the thread on. I think the first was, yeah. um, well, the repurposable nature of it makes a ton of sense. Um, but the other thing is that whole, the, you brought up a really great point about indexing and SEO and how, these podcast uh, five like these podcasts are actually now surfacing in things like Google and other places. How mm -hmm. how important is the keyword strategy for titling podcasts and determining topics of podcasts? And how does that compare or contrast to some of the more traditional keyword research you might be doing for like blogs, pillar pages, etc.? It's very similar, and that's a great question. Um, in fact, when we launched our first like B two B podcast for a client. Um, we spend a lot of time doing keyword research um, within YouTube itself, right? It's just, you, there's software out there very similar to like SEMbrush and those types of tools that you can like basically look for volume, competition, that kind of stuff within YouTube. 
Um, you know, there's not a lot of analytics tools for like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and those types of platforms. But what we did do was we spent a lot of time researching the categories that that podcast would go into, whether it was business, finance, marketing, those sorts of things. And then we looked at a lot of the podcasts and the way that they were sort of named. And for example, the podcast that we did was for a, um, a membership organization for real estate agents. And basically what real estate agents joined this organization so that they can learn how to market luxury homes and kind of like punch up in their career and get yeah. higher price points. And so we did a podcast for them, which we called um, A State of Mind, um, The Art of Selling and Marketing Luxury Real Estate. So we kind of had like um, the title itself, A State of Mind, wasn't really keyword driven, but it was really the subtitle where we tried to link into these keywords like luxury, home, marketing, real estate. And then within the description of the podcast itself as well, like that's also, I got to be somewhat keyword rich, right? So the keyword strategy is actually, I, I would say you probably don't have as many analytics tools as you do with like the typical SEO that we do with blog and stuff like that. But what we found was that number one, by having a little of intention about how you name the podcast and how you put the subtitles, we ended up finding after we published the podcast that that our podcast was getting found in organic search in Apple Podcasts and Spotify very frequently. And we we're actually getting net new email addresses, like net new subscriptions, things like that onto our other channels. That's great. So what we did not expect was to actually see Spotify and Apple Podcasts as a source of organic traffic and to generate awareness. We never thought that we would actually generate awareness for the brand by just like trying to hook into some keywords within those podcast platforms, but it certainly did. Um, and there's certainly a lot of podcasts out there. It's getting more and more difficult to rank for that kind of stuff. But I do think that if you have some intention behind the naming of the podcast and you do have somewhat of a keyword strategy, following that keyword strategy as you're naming it and coming up with content, like from the descriptions of the podcast, for example, will really help you find some new audiences within those platforms that may not be engaged with you via email or social or other places. I want to, we'll definitely circle back on reporting and analytics because uh, I can yeah. imagine there's always a, a, there's a tricky element to that, but let's put a pin on that for one second. As we talk about keyword research and content repurposing, when you provide services to your clients or add podcasting to your engagements with clients, like what is the scope of work uh, and what are all yeah. of the tasks to enable that for your clients? Yeah, great question. Um, it's a full production, quite literally. And I'm sure you and your team are aware and you probably have a good process that you've got down now, but there's a lot of components to it, right? It requires uh, a combination of like uh a multimedia team, like a content marketing team, and like a project manager. So basically what we do is we break down our scope of work into really three phases. Um, the first phase is really the strategy phase. And the strategy phase is really defining what's the show about? Who, who are the personas that we want to target? How many downloads do we want to start with? Like what channels do we want to distribute this podcast out through? If it's going to be a micro content, kind of pillar content strategy from a multimedia perspective, does our email marketing team want to use this content? Does our sales team want to use this content? So we try and define all those things up front. And really where it comes kind of coalesces is in the form of what we call a show level brief. 
And basically the show level brief defines all of those elements. You even have to think of things like branding, right? What is the artwork going to look like, right? Uh, the cover art, um, are you going to have any logos? Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a visual element to this as well that's flushed out in the strategy phase. Then really we go into the, the we'll call it the pre-production, production and post-production phases, which are all kind of one, one big phase. So pre-production is like getting your guests scheduled. We'll reach out on behalf of the client to schedule them, get on the calendar, set up all the links and everything like that. We're using a tool called Zencaster right now, but there's other tools out there that allow you to drop links in there, whether they're Zoom or Riverside or even a, a platform called Casted. Um, so we'll set all that up during pre-production. We'll send out like very like bulleted questions just to kind of like prep the, the guest a little bit beforehand. And usually it's somewhat impromptu. We like the more freewheeling type of interview type of content, right, with our clients. And then we go into production where typically the first few episodes will have one of our team members on the line with the clients. And then we'll just be sitting there just to make sure the lighting is right, the audio is okay. And then once the client gets the hang of it, they can take over the production on their own because it's literally just about hitting record on Zoom or whatever tool you're using. And then post-production is all about editing the content, getting the thumbnails ready for YouTube, getting the keyword titles ready for YouTube. And then the last phase, the third phase after we get out of post-production is really publishing. And that's where the content marketing team comes in, where they're like, okay, we're now executing our editorial calendar. You know, we're putting out this micro content in our socials, we're putting it up through email, we're delivering it now to the sales team so they can include it in their sequences. So there's like three major steps to it, but I'd say the strategy piece is usually where the bulk of the work happens. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you, Kevin, but for me, like this is easy, right? Doing the interview part is the easy part. It's coming up with what are you, who are you going to talk to? What are you going to talk about? And then the difficult part is actually post-production and then publishing the content because that can be quite the pipeline to get that stuff out. Yeah. And I think right? it catches a lot of folks off guard, uh, just how laborious those processes are, right? How much time and effort yeah. maybe folks uh, like resources it, it takes. Um, and I'll it's say not this, rocket science. It's not rocket science, right? It's just a lot of busy work that totally, has to get done. Totally. Right? Yeah. Um, you, <clears throat> this is definitely the easy part. And Andrew, I'll say this. It's even easier when you're the interviewer uh, because you're yeah. the one that has to provide all of the insights for us. I just have to just ask a uh, snappy question. So it even gets easier. Sure. You know? um, yep. How do yep. you help clients identify who are, who's going to host these things? Yeah, so uh, it always starts with the overarching content strategy, right? And um, usually we want the host to be somewhat of a subject matter expert in, you know, their particular field so they can ask, you know, deep questions and follow-up questions. Like, you know, a thing or two about, you know, inbound marketing and digital marketing, right, Kevin, to be able to talk to agency owners. So that's the first kind of requirement is like, hey, pick someone that um, is, you know, a subject matter expert. The more difficult part is that not everybody wants to be on camera, right? Um, and the more difficult thing actually was when we were just doing audio podcasts, it was very easy to find hosts and interviewers and things like that. But as soon as we started to introduce video, it got a lot more difficult with our clients to go and find those. So actually during the proposal process, as we're doing discovery, scoping and all that kind of stuff, we say, hey, look, if we're at this point now where we're putting a proposal together, we're like 80% of the way there you probably want to start thinking about a host now because that is one of the most important parts that, that becomes effectively the brand of the podcast, totally. the personality and things like that. Right. Yeah. So the second part is like, um, like, 
like you know, find someone that's a subject matter expert, but also they got to be comfortable on camera and you've got to prep them. And that's part of what we do during the strategy phase is that our producer will sit down and usually there's some people who just are, there's naturals at this stuff, right? Um, like the first, for example, the first podcast that we did with one of our first clients that hired us to do it. Um, she was just a natural, right? She was she like, she factor. could be on any, yeah. <laughs> she had yeah. it, right? And like, we learned stuff from her, the way that she was doing some things, right? But then we had another client where um, they had a resource, subject matter expert, you know, very eloquent, very well-spoken, um, very organized in the way that she she speaks, but just got really nervous, like on, on camera. And so we spent, probably spent about two or three extra hours just, doing practice mock recording sessions with her where we would ask her questions and then she would ask us questions back. And that just kind of like, uh, the, I think whenever you hit that record button, spooky. no matter if you're yeah, live, or yeah. if it's just spooky, you know what I mean? And we try to, hey, we can edit some of this stuff. Like if you mess up and you want to start over, we can pause. But people definitely get nervous. But what you find is that I think after the third or fourth episode, the host starts to kind of take the personality of the show. They get, they start to feel the energy and they get excited about it when they get comfortable. So I would, that's a great question. I actually say that that is probably the one consideration most people do not think about when they're thinking about doing a podcast. Yeah. Or how um, heavy so the decision really about, is. Yeah. How important of a decision it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, all right. We put a pin in it, but now I think it's time to circle back. Let's talk reporting and analytics. Uh, I think that one of yeah. the examples you cited, you're like, wow, we saw Spotify and Apple podcast referred traffic back. I imagine that doesn't yep. happen out of the gate for a lot of these. And so how do you, how do you measure right. success? Is there an ROI to calculate for podcasting, especially in the early days of it? Yeah. So unfortunately for a lot of the content man, content directors, you know, marketing directors at your companies, it is very hard to prove ROI on a podcast, right? Um, I typically see a podcast more of a top of funnel awareness uh, play where you're just trying to get thought leadership out there and to get people who may not know about your brand to kind of see your view on the world and maybe understand a little bit about your culture because they're hearing, I think when you hear someone's voice and you, you can you can you can gauge like how genuine and authentic they are, right? So it's almost like putting a voice and a face to the company brand. So that's that's one thing, but that's very hard to measure like like ROI from that, right? So the other thing that I look at as well is on the, at the top of the funnel is really like what kind of engagement are we getting with the podcast? And and the typical numbers you're going to look at are unique downloads, right? Average consumption time. Um, hey, look! If you're if you're getting someone to consume your content, you know, eighty percent of the way through on a thirty minute podcast, what other piece of content can you put out there that is literally in somebody's ear for like twenty three, twenty four minutes? I know I get excited when we write a blog post and someone's on page for like you know three hundred seconds or something like that, right? Um, like that's an awesome blog post, right? But here we have a piece of content that literally you're stuck in their ear for almost 30 minutes. So I would say, you know, while that's not a direct correlation to ROI, um, I would say that that is probably part of the user journey where at the top of the funnel, where you're probably showing that there's valuable content out there that's getting people to re-engage and come back to you, right? Because what happens is they subscribe to that podcast in their podcast Feed, whether it's Apple or Spotify or any of the independent platform or the other independent platforms, but you can push notifications to them. 
better than an email, right? In, in, in some way, shape and form, right? Um, I would say that another way to, to potentially try to look at the effectiveness of a podcast is also to look at lead generation. And you may be asking like, how do I generate leads from a podcast? So what we do is on the YouTube videos where we do the micro content and we do um, the, the pillar content on YouTube, in the description, we always have a call to action that leads them to a further down the funnel piece of content. So usually it's a landing page with a lead magnet set up on it with a form where they can opt in and then they'll jump into like an evergreen campaign. If you can, if you assign a value to your leads, that could potentially be a way for you to measure ROI to see is like how many of these listeners are now actually engaging and actually clicking on that call to action in the description and then jumping into our email marketing funnel, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say those are two ways to do to look at it from a prospect perspective, like marketing, engaging and putting content in front of prospects. One thing you also want to think about, too, is for your customers. Right now, uh, community building has been a pretty hot topic. Um, probably over the last couple of years, it's almost like the next version of social media. Yeah. I kind of call it, right? Yep. Um, it's taking social media and funneling social media down into like these private communities, whether they're Slack groups, private Facebook groups, like, and, and you could tell like, there's just much more meaningful discussion amongst those groups, right? You don't have someone who comes in with some crazy political ideology from one way or the other and just completely throws off the topic. Of, of the group, right? And so what I found is that, look, like one of our clients, they have a membership business model where their members pay like $1,000 in annual dues to, be, to continue to be members of the organization. And part of what the organization does is they provide content to their members that's valuable to them in their jobs. So we created a podcast just for the membership. It was walled off from everybody else, all the prospects. And what we found was that like when we surveyed we, they, they would run like an, uh, a monthly survey to a lot of these, uh, to these listeners or, can, or excuse me, not listeners, but members. members. Yeah, right. And they started to, it started to say that the members were actually saying that the podcast was one of their favorite channels to consume content through because they could just do it on the go. They didn't want to read through blog posts anymore. No one reads lead packets anymore. I mean, to be honest with you, like every lead packet I download, it just ends up on my desktop and sits there forever. Right. But they but the podcast was something that they kept coming back to and coming back to. So it became something of value for customers that have already converted to retain them and keep them sticky. So that was another way that we use podcasts as yeah. well, not only for prospecting and mark and marketing, but also to make sure you re-engage and delight those customers. Yeah you know, to get them coming back, right? Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it. And honestly, there, there is reporting and value to measure and monitor, uh, but obviously it sounds like there's some expectations to set with your clients about, okay, where this fits in, uh, in either your buyer journey or customer journey and, and how it connects to some of your marketing efforts. I yeah. would imagine expectation setting is a key component of that. Yeah, and the analytics platforms are getting better, right? Um, ultimately, like, you know, what we want to be able to do is attribute like a listener on a podcast all the way back down to like a, a closed one deal. Course, right. I mean, yeah, that's, right. that's the Revenue attribution to which episode. Yeah, totally. totally. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's definitely as podcasting becomes more of a channel, just like blogging and all that dude. I mean, look at the analytics tools we now have, you know, like, like you have a Google tag manager now that you can use for podcast episodes basically. Right. So I think the tech is eventually going to get there. Um, but what I usually set expectations around are exactly like you said, 
um, if you want to prove like hard ROI, like you would with like pay-per-click, for example, it's not the channel you want to go down. You might not want to die on that hill. Right. Do you know what yeah, I mean? hundred uh, percent. Especially if that's what your boss is looking for. <laughs> right. Right. So um, <laughs> the, uh, the example of the podcast for like the membership or community aspect that, that leads well into this question. And based on your experience with developing podcasts for clients, are there any additional or like unique or growing use cases uh, and and yeah. are we seeing any new aspects to like the market fit for podcasting services? Anything that you're excited about? Yeah. So we, um, at, at our agency, we always pilot everything on ourselves before we try to sell it to our clients. So when COVID rolled around, we had to disperse and all of us, you know, what, uh, basically ended up working from home. And so what we decided to do was we did an internal podcast, um, just like 10 or 15 minutes weekly where I would, I was more of like a solo cast. I would just kind of talk about what was going on. And, and then I, I eventually like would bring on some of our team members to interview them and ask them what was going on. And we just kind of circulated that around the, you know, 15 people who are working at our agency. Right. And so I mentioned it to one of our larger, like enterprise type clients um, who happened to have a very good relationship with the head of people ops. And uh, she mentioned our internal podcast to their head of people ops and the head of people ops reached out to me it's like, hey, Andrew, like we're a 800 person company. We're literally spread out all over the US. We acquire new companies all the time. And we just want people who we acquire to learn more about our culture. And we're doing a lot of like um, CSR, like cor corporate social responsibility type initiatives. And we want the we want the staff to learn more about what the leadership is going through as they're learning things about cultural sensitivity and bias training and all that kind of stuff, because they they want to be more transparent about what their executives are going through and learning this kind of stuff. Right. So we basically did like just a really simple, like eight episode podcast. Um, we lined up a bunch of people internally within the company for like a week, recorded all these episodes and they just the eight, head of HR basically just started releasing the episodes one after one to the staff. And it's now become like a pretty consistent part of like the internal comms for HR using internal podcasts. So it's the, it wasn't something that I expected, but it was um, definitely like it, I wouldn't say it caught fire because we're not marketing this right now as a service offering, but for our existing clients, we definitely tell them like, Hey, if you want to stand up uh, an internal podcast, it's pretty easy for us to do it. And in fact, we don't have to do the micro content. We have to do any of that. It's really just hit record, right. edit it, and then publish it. Yeah. You so. pull back on some of the production requirements, right? Uh, the length of it and uh, the distribution strategy is a little more simplified. Yeah, that's great. Um, yep, I can imagine yep. that if there was a place to expand that offering, it opens up an entirely new persona for, for you and your team to target people ops, human resources, et cetera. Yeah, that's exactly the conversation we just had. We're like, man, we're usually targeting, you know, like marketing directors, CMOs and things like that. And so we start, we're thinking of like the messaging strategy. It's like, we got to come at this from the perspective of someone who is like an HR professional, right? So it was actually a really fun little project for us to kind of like think about, because we are going to stand up a landing page, try to market this thing, that's you know, awesome. get some awareness yeah. of this, um, you know, to, to that audience too. But yeah, good, good well, that'll point. definitely have to be something we follow up with uh, or see how it goes once yeah. it's rolled out. And now I don't know if this is going to sure. be an appropriate fuel to the fire, but now it's out there as an opportunity. So uh, there you go. You know, yeah. we'll see if there's yeah, uh, anybody trying to beat you. Yeah, that's right. Here. 
That's right. Yeah. Um, Andrew, uh, I'm running out of time, I think. So we'll, we'll wrap this up with just one final question for you. Uh, we, we try and end every episode with this. What is the strangest part of agency life? <laughs> for me as an agency, as a relatively small agency owner, um, it's having to be the janitor, the CEO, uh, having to wear the, I, the, the kind of hats that I wear right now, I just never thought I'd be dealing with some of the things that I'm dealing with. Um, and so like, I never, I've never like, for example, as compensation discussions, like we're not at a place right now as an agency where we can have like a full-time HR person. So I have a lot of the comp discussions with our staff and that's always a weird discussion. Nothing, no, nothing in school life experience like prepares you for that kind of stuff, you know? So for me, it's like having to wear multiple hats at our agency um, and, you know, having to show up and maybe have like a different, uh, a different persona every day. I kind of feel a little bit like a, like a multi, multi-personality kind yeah, of person. Yeah. Whatever the, whatever the day so requires, not, you know? Exactly. Maybe not weird to uh, the, the fellow agency owners who are probably listening to this, but I think weird to a human being. Still just the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah, the compensation stuff is always so interesting because I bet those conversations are always just so easy to navigate and just so delicate and nuanced, yeah. you know, oh, just so, yeah, never, you never presents nice an issue. Yeah, right. And then, oh yeah, we just get right back to work and working with our clients. Right. Work, There's no you know, crazy interpersonal that, so. things that we have to chew through. Right? Yeah. So, um, no, great answer. I yep. think that's definitely um, that's definitely a strange part of of being a uh, an agency owner, small business owner, etc. But um, Andrew, we're out of time. Thank you so much for for popping in, sharing your expertise around podcasting. Uh, always a pleasure to connect. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for all you do for the community, too. Really appreciate it. And for those that have uh, just tuned in, uh, thanks again for listening. This has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.